Well, if you're not already seated in your living rooms, you can take a seat. Hope you got a coffee ready. I'm excited because we are starting a two-part series today and next week. I'm going to be teaching. I'm excited about this series. I've been praying about this, preparing my heart for, my heart for this. And, and I'm just going to say that uh, you're not going to want to miss this, okay? You're going to want to engage. And listen, if, if God can reach from heaven to earth, he certainly can reach through a screen, okay? And so I believe this is going to be encouraging for you. You know, I've been home just like you, and uh, I've got five kids. And, you know, um, I remember when we were first having kids, we had to name our kids, you know, and it was like this very serious thing to get the right name, you know. And, and I don't know about you, but we looked up every kind of name, right? And, um, and names are really important to us. But for me, you know, my name's Miguel, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but have you ever had people get your name wrong? You know, like you're just going about your day and, and they, they get your name wrong. Like for me, my name's Miguel, but people have come up to me just outright with all kinds of passion and be like, hey, Manuel. I'm like, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. It's Miguel, but cool. Good to see you, right? Or, or maybe it's other people, you know, my name's Mick. It's not Mike or it's, it's Jessica, not Jennifer or whatever, right? It's people get our names wrong sometimes. Or how about this? Maybe you're the person who you've known someone for a while, but for some reason you can't remember their name. Have you ever done it? Like a neighbor, or maybe you've known them for months, even years, and you're like, oh my goodness, I think his name is Todd. It could be Todd or Tom. I don't know. So you see this person, you're just like, hey, you, how you doing? Right? Or it's just awkward, right? Or maybe it's like, hey, man, I, I, thanks for... Thanks for your gift, man. You know, you don't know their name. It's so awkward. It's hard. You forget it. Or, or let, let me take it further. Let me take it to another degree, okay? Have you ever seen or experienced um, where you're like um, at a big event, uh, like a wedding or a graduation or something really important, and they get the name wrong? I mean, can you imagine a wedding? Like, this is your special day, and all of a sudden, the officiant gets the name wrong. Or maybe the groom says the wrong name, right? This is horrible. This is bad. Or maybe at a graduation, you've worked four years, right? I mean, blood, sweat, and tears. You've worked so hard. And then all of a sudden, they go to announce your name. All they have to do is read it, and they get the name wrong. And all of us probably can remember, if you remember this, back in 2015, Okay, there's, it, it made national news, this, this uh, Miss Universe 2015. Does anybody remember? You, you know what I'm talking about. You feel it right now, like you're looking around. You're going, yes, I remember in the living room sitting watching this, the host says the wrong name. And so for some four minutes, the apparent winner, Miss Universe Columbia, was walking around the stage in her crown. And then all to come to this understanding that he caught their name wrong. It was actually the Philippines. And man, all of us felt that tension of just, they got the name wrong. And here's, here's the big idea. Here's the point. Names are so important to us. They matter to us. This is how people identify us. And there was a time in history where Jesus took his disciples to a very specific place where he asked, listen, the most important question about his identity. So let's get into this. Listen, Jesus and his disciples, um, he takes his disciples some 20 plus mile hike, which I'm, just, I'm not a hiker, 
That's, that's insane to me. Uh, but he get, he, they walk this huge hike. They go to this place called Caesarea Philippi. The Caesarea Philippi is located in the Golan Heights. It's at the base of Mount Hermon in sort of the northern region of, of Israel. And here's the thing. We got a few pictures we want to show on the screen. Uh, Caesarea Philippi in this day was the epicenter of world religions and worldly influences. I mean, this was the, a place where deities and, and rival deities were worshipped at a very, listen, at a very extreme, extreme way. And there's some pictures of, you know, there's some relics, and, and you can go there today, and this is what it would look like today, these pictures. Um, and, and there's these, you know, niches that are carved out in the side of the cliff, and, and they would have these idols that they would worship. I mean, it was utter ludicrous, the, the kind of evil that was displayed publicly, and people by the thousands would come all over the world. It was so horrific. Listen, I can't describe it because it's just not appropriate to describe. There's probably kids watching right now. It was horrendous, the kind of things that were done in this place. Now here in one of the pictures that you just saw, there is this cave, this cavern, um, and inside of this cave, there was this water vortex, this natural spring that came out of the cave that fed into the Jordan River and later into the Sea of Galilee. It was a very important place because it was believed that the pan god lived here, right? This was the birthplace of the, of the god, the pagan god Pan. And if you don't know anything about Pan, this is, this is the god of nature and the god of fertility, and it was kind of believed uh, by the Greeks, it was, it was believed that Pan um, would, would play his instrument and play his pipe in, in the woods or in the mountains in the wilderness. And, and if he was disturbed in any way, that he would give this, this crazy blood-curdling like shout. And it was a, like a, oh, it's like a sudden fear all, this, all of a sudden, right? It was this moan of fear that would just kind of rile up in people, and they would hear it, and it was like, oh, these, these sounds in the forest and, and in the wilderness and these creeks and these noises, and all of a sudden it was, it was this sudden fear that people would experience. And this is what it was believed, so you didn't want to disturb Pan. That's, that was the idea. And so what was derived from this in Greek is, is what they called this idea was panikos. Listen, lean in real closely. This is where we get the word panic from. The word panic. And so it was believed that the god Pan was in this area. This is the birthplace. And inside of that cavern, here's what people would do. People would offer sacrifices in this spring, this kind of vortex. And, and, and they would offer all kinds of things and throw all kinds of things as an offering to this Pan god. And, and, and some of the superstition was just like this. If they gave their offering and, and, and it was kind of sucked under... It was accepted by, by the pagan god. If all of a sudden they see like blood or something in the, in the water, if it was kind of pushed out, then it was rejected. That was kind of the idea. And here's what, it, what was believed. They believed, the people in this day believed, that this place, this cavern and this water vortex, a spring, that this was the entrance to the underworld. This was the place. So what people called it in this day was the gates of Hades. This is common language in this day, the gates of Hades. 
It was so horrific. People would actually throw their children alive into this spring. Uh, Human sacrifices and other kinds of sacrifices. It was so believed that the pan God, the panic God, was going to help them. It was so believed this. I mean, this is what people, they would come from all over the world thinking that this was going to help their business and, and their livelihood and, and their homes and their lands. And they were offering this to, the, to this false God. And by the thousands, if you can see the scene, by the thousands, people were offering sacrifices. People were doing uh, ugly, horrendous rituals all over the place. And this was called the gates of Hades. So Jesus deliberately takes his disciples to this location. I know that a lot of us, we kind of are really intentional about choosing our Zoom backgrounds, right? Our virtual backgrounds. This is the the background that Jesus chose right here. This is the background. He brings his disciples, and listen, the disciples had to have felt really uncomfortable because this was off limits to the, to the good God-fearing Jew, right? This, this was off limits completely. Talk about sin city to a totally different degree. And so they come to this place, and, and, and let me read what the Scripture says. Matthew 16, verse 13 and 14. says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Right? What's word on the street? What's hashtagging about me? What what are people TikTok, Instagram, Facebook? What's happening out there in the virtual digital world? Like, what's going on? What are people saying about me? And they replied, right? Again, they're in this scene. I mean, my... The distractions would have been pretty difficult, right? Would have been pretty, pretty big. And all of a sudden, they start giving these, these replies. They reply this. They give these answers. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. And listen, the, the list right there is like, that's an A-team list. These are, these are big, big influential, I mean, like the action figures of prophets in this day, right? These are really big names. Who do people say to am? The disciples, listen, they had all kinds of different answers for this. And, and I don't know how long they went on with the list. I, I don't know exactly. Nothing wrong with these men. But here's what was happening. The world was comparing other men to Jesus, other prophets to Jesus. But lean in real closely. The general tendency in all of these answers was to underestimate Jesus. Listen, to give him a measure of respect and honor, but fall far short for honoring him for who he really is. And isn't that like so many of us today? I mean, check your heart for a second. I mean, we, we, we want to give Jesus all kinds of compliments right? Fire emojis and all these things online. I mean, we'll get, give him all kinds. We want to post about it. We want to give Jesus all kinds of compliments, but we don't want to call him Lord and surrender our lives to him. We're attracted, right? We're attracted to the things that he can do for us, or at least the things that we hear that he can do for us, and we're so attracted to that, but we're not devoted to him because of who he is. And here's the point. 
Jesus is not an option among many. He is the answer for all. Jesus is not an option among many. He's not on the list compared to other men, other people. He is the answer for all. And let me just say this again. Nothing wrong with any of these men. Nothing wrong with John the Baptist and Elijah and Jeremiah. Nothing wrong with these guys. But the moment that we put Jesus at the same level as other people and other things, we miss Jesus completely. We miss it all together. We get it wrong. Because understand this and lean in carefully. With Jesus, there is no comparison. He stands alone. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Everything was made by him and for him. He is the visible image of the invisible God. He was and is and will always be the great I am, the self-existing, all-encompassing God with a bod. That's Jesus. He has no rival. He has no equal. Now and forever, he is king. There is no other name, no other name above the name of Jesus. Jesus is not an option among many. He's the answer for all. And yet here's what we do in our lives. We pursue what the world has. We pursue it all. We chase everything. We try to attain it all and accomplish accolades and academics and and everything that this world can give us. And we put our hearts and our souls and our minds into all of those things only to realize that every human soul is longing for Jesus. He, he is all we need. Jesus is not an option among many. He is the answer for all. And so Jesus goes from this general question to a very specific question, from the public comparison to the personal opinion of the disciples. Let me just say this, because with Jesus, understand this, with Jesus, it is always personal with him. It is always a personal relationship. He wants to know what you think. He wants to know what you believe. He wants to know where you are today. How are you doing? What do you think about all this? So he continues, Matthew 16, 15, and continuing, it says this, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? I don't know how long. Maybe there was a pause. I don't know. But then Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ, the Son of the living God. Real quick, for for so many years growing up, I thought Christ was like Jesus' last name. You know? In in the Bible, they really don't have last names. They have locations. You know, Saul of Tarsus, Jesus of Nazareth. They had locations to kind of identify who they are, what family they're from, things like that. Christ is not not Jesus' last name. Christ actually in the Greek means anointed one or chosen one. In Hebrew, it's the word Messiah. Messiah. So Christ is Jesus' title. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus the anointed one. And here is Peter in a moment. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, Peter got a lot of things wrong, but man, he was spot 
on with this one. Let me just keep reading the last couple of verses. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, or Bar-Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. You did not get this online. You did not look this up. You did not see a YouTube video or TikTok or Instagram. You didn't find a story about this. Listen, this was, and he says it this way, by my Father in heaven. This is how he got a direct message, a DM, straight from the Father. And this is what he said. He said, you didn't get this by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And then he says this. Listen real carefully. And I tell, the, tell you that you are Peter. That just means rock, rocky, okay? And on this rock, that is the rock-solid statement declaration that Peter just made, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And that's twofold, both the influential world in the day and the literal gates of hell will not overcome it. Listen, in other words, it's like this. It's like this. He's saying this. Do you think this pan God, which was a half goat, half man kind of God, do, do you believe that this half goat, half man God is anything? Let me just tell you, this is what basic Jesus said. Let me tell you, one of these days, this whole thing is going to be laughable. It's going to be a tourist site for people to come and see. And the thought of worshiping a half goat, half man God is going to be utter ludicrous to people. And there's going to be a time where people go into panic and crisis, and they're going to look to that to save them. But you know what's never going to change? My kingdom. You know what's never going to be forwarded? My gospel. You know what's never going to be defeated? My church. And Peter, when you believe and declare that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, you become as unstoppable as the gospel, and he is going to build his church. That's what Jesus just said in this statement, and that's what he's saying to us today. Am I a prophet among many? Am I a pan-god? Neither. Because with Jesus, Jesus doesn't take sides. Jesus takes over. Jesus doesn't take sides. He takes over. And all throughout Scripture, when you read the story of Jesus through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read the story, you are constantly seeing Jesus confronted by religious leaders, lawyers, and other people that are trying to corner him by giving him options, either this or this, either Jew or Gentile. Are you for sinners or are you for religious leaders? Are you, are you for this or for that? And there's a time in, in particular where a woman's caught in the act of adultery. And the religious leaders are going, listen, are you going to upheld, uphold the religious law and condemn her to death? Or are you going to keep your reputation as the lover of people and lover of sinners and all that? See, Jesus doesn't take sides. Jesus comes into the scene and takes over. Who do people say that I am? What are people talking about? And there's all kinds of answers to this. Jesus does not take sides. He's always taking over the scenario or the situation or the season. Why? Listen, because we need him to. We need him to take over. We cannot do this on our own. We will eventually fall short. We can't do this. He must take over. See, listen, I, I just made a list here. Because when I fall, he lifts us up. 
He lifts me up. When, when, I, when I fail, He forgives. When I'm weak, He is strong. When I'm lost, He is the way. When I'm afraid, He is my courage. When I stumble, He steadies me. When I'm hurt, He heals me. When I'm broken, He mends me. When I'm hungry, He feeds me. When I face trials like the one you and I are in, listen, listen, He, he comforts and knows that He is with me. When we face persecution, He shields me. When we face problems, He is there for me. If we face loss, He provides. And even when we face death, He carries me home. We must get this. Jesus doesn't take sides. Jesus takes over. He is everything for everyone, everywhere, in every kind of way. He is Lord of all. And in the world that we're in, the season that he's led us to today, he's using this world as his backdrop, the the panic and chaos happening everywhere. And he's saying these questions, who do people say that I am? But more importantly, he's saying, who do you say that I am in the season of panic and pandemic? Who do you say Jesus is? And my prayer for you, my hope for you today, listen, is that you would carefully and prayerfully consider that question. Because there are so many of you today, we know because we see the stories, we read about them, we speak to the people. And there are so many people that are hurting, that have gone through very difficult times. And listen, if that's you today, if you're feeling that today, we see you. We are here with you. But we have to understand as well that even though we're in this season together, there is a God in heaven who is king of all, who is all, who is the answer for all. And he loves you and he was with you. And my hope is that you would just take a moment today or this week and just think about who is Jesus to you? And according to this, when Peter declared it, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, today I know that there are so many people who are hurting. Lord, the, 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 the things that we see on the news, the things that we see all around us, Lord, it is chaos. And in many ways, it, it's just it's unheard of. But God, I pray that today we would be encouraged to know that you stand in front of it all, that you stand before it all, and you say, who am I? Lord, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We can lean on you, rely on you, Lord. We can trust in you in this time. Help us to never forget Peter's declaration here and to remember that no matter what we face, you are always there in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen.